watching this movie the other day, and I have come to the conclusion that the reason this guy isn't in things anymore is because he got market corrected, as you would say, by Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> okay. Hear me out on this, okay? This guy is basically Ryan Reynolds, but the community theater version. <laughs> not quite as good, not quite as good looking, not quite as quick, but has all the attributes there. And I still like him. I really like him in everything I've seen him in. He's just not been in a ton. You know, Drew Barrymore dropped him. Yep, that's true. And he was great and accepted. He's been great in a, in a lot of things. But then Ryan Reynolds came along, and it's like, well, I mean, look at me, and I'm quicker than you. I can do a lot of things that you can't do. You can go away now. You know, Kevin Smith might be casting <laughs> for some shit. Well, why don't you? Why don't you look over there, my friend? Do, do you think that like their careers were just heading towards meeting each other, and then they got into waiting, and then it was like That's we it. can have the same type of humor, but I'm going to show you off the abs. And mm-hmm. I noticed that they mm-hmm. did not have a corollary scene for the abs uh, for you in the script so that's how this is gonna go but they did in crossroads to which every time i've seen it i'm like i mean he's the nerd but that motherfucker is rich. <laughs> right you know what i'm talking I about i mean i mean brit was like no nah, I'm, I'm good i'm good you're telling me in that scene you were looking at britney spears in her <laughs> underwear as opposed to <laughs> hard to believe i know <laughs> oh man this is going to be a very interesting episode today And I think it's going to be interesting because we're talking about a movie that Metrics tells me not very many people saw. No. (laughs) But I have loved this movie since I saw it in the theater. And guys, we're here to talk. We're here actually to celebrate the 10-year anniversary of MacGruber. You want to go? I really don't know how to start talking about this movie. I don't know either. I don't know how to continue talking about it. <laughs> but I do know that I unapologetically love it. I celebrate this film, and I think more people, <laughs> if they were to see it, would celebrate it as well. I'm not joking. Like I really think, at its core, it's a good movie. And that's what's crazy to me, is that I, I when I first saw it, I first saw it in the theater on opening day, and I thought it was like funny... But I'm like, this just seems like a drawn-out SNL yep. sketch. Now when I watch it again, like there's there's an actual story there. It hits all the SNL beats. I love the ending where it just goes into the SNL skit that they always have with Kristen Wiig where she changes the entire persona she's had the entire movie <laughs> to just be that character from SNL. Great. 
But honestly, like, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not like bullshitting you. I'm not bullshitting the listeners here. I watched it several times. And what I think this movie is, is it totally works because it's an homage to how crazy and stupid these action films are. And it points out how crazy and stupid they are. Yes. But no one is ever in on the fucking joke. Everyone plays it straight and that's why it works. And the direction and the action and the blowing shit up is fucking well done. You said you saw it first in the theater. I did too. I saw it with Jess and I saw it with my mom and I saw it with Nona uh, (laughs) who was like leaning over and explaining certain things to Jess and stuff. (laughs) Like making sure Jess like got the joke. And I've seen some (laughs) peculiar movies with Nona. Like we saw Knocked Up together and you know it's like yeah i'm sitting next to my 85 year old grandmother while katherine heigl is crowning it's it's just a weird it's a weird place to be honestly uh (laughs) so this movie was like that and i do have to give a shout out to my mom who has done close on the celery trick for the family that was a weird situation i'm sorry hold on hold on we're gonna have to back up I, i i gotta know the details on that No details, man. She just walked out of the kitchen. We were all kind of at the house hanging out, and she just walked out with celery. Uh, For those of you who don't get what I'm talking about, you should probably hit stop on the pod right now. Watch MacGruber. It's on Stars, And uh, you will get it. And then you will send me an email or hit us up on Twitter that's like, I'm sorry, Cole, your mom did, huh? Exactly. (laughs) You would have the exact reaction that I'm having right now, which is, wow, Tam. Wow, that's some dedication to comedy right there. That's some Groundlings level shit. She has it. She has it. I mean, this is how important this film is to my family. But uh, unlike you, when I left the theater, I just loved it. I I love kind of crazy comedies. I love dumb movies, which you would put this in a dumb movie category. You yes. Know? This is one of those off-the-wall comedy being so personal to everyone, it's not going to be for everybody. And there's a reason that the budget was $10 million and they recouped $9.3 million of that. Mm-hmm. I think I read that it was out of theaters in like three weeks, which sounds about right. It has the largest drop-off at the time, I believe, from opening on like 2,300 screens to in the third week being down to like 130. Yeah, it was just gone. And I have, I have some theories as to why that is. But before we get to the theories, let's talk about who was involved in the movie uh, and kind of how it got made. Obviously, it was an SNL sketch. Are you an SNL guy? You know, I'm a, I'm a hit or miss kind of one where if I catch it and it's on, I'll give the first few skits a try. If I'm not drawn in, I kind of forget it. But I had seen a lot of the MacGruber skits over the years. A lot of them were the same thing over and over. Some were really fucking funny, though. Yeah, I, I'm the sort of the same thing. Even growing up, I wasn't a huge SNL person if there was a... Uh, host on it that I really was interested in, then I would check it out. But for the most part, I didn't so much care about SNL. It's been a little easier, you know, since YouTube and everything, where people are just like, you got to check out the David S. Pumpkin sketch or something like that, and you can just mm-hmm. watch it that way. So even with MacGruber at the time, because this came out in 2010, I maybe had seen one sketch of MacGruber and honestly thought, oh, it's, it's a MacGyver ripoff, which is obviously what it's playing on. But when you see the movie... It's really not a MacGyver ripoff. Nope. Which is great. Um, You know, you don't have... If it was a remake of MacGyver or MacGyver spoof, you probably would have seen Richard Dean Anderson somewhere in the movie, but that's not there. And in fact, the creators of MacGyver tried to sue to get this movie shut down. I love... I read that too. And when I read that, I mean, Lee David Zotloff, creator of TV series MacGyver, felt that his 
legal right to make a film version of the series was compromised with the release of MacGruber. MacGruber was released in 2010. MacGyver was back in 1985. That's when it started to have its run. So, uh, old yeah. Lee Dave, I mean, you had fucking time. And it's not MacGruber that's causing If anything, MacGruber would have gotten interest. Well, and, and he's in, got the new MacGyver, MacGyver going on right now, which, you know, hate, hate to flex so early in the pod, but I was on a yeah. cruise this past summer with the guy who plays the new MacGyver. So, it is what it is, guys. That's Yeah, but I don't think you've seen the movie that he was in called Brave Town, have you? No, I have not. Where he plays the DJ from the city who has to go live with his dad. His dad played by, if I remember correctly, Tom Everett Scott. Sure. I'm in. Josh Dumel plays the mentor who is the one who's listening to him every day when he's in court-appointed therapy. And what he does is he brings this town together because this town has lost so much in Iraq and Afghanistan that he is the DJ who makes the music for the dance team. And now the dance team can really can really shine. Okay, so I had to look this up while you were explaining all of that. Listen to this cast, guys. Obviously, Demel, T. Scott, Lucas Till, who's the main character. Maria Bello is in it. Laura Dern is in it. Yep. I've never heard of this movie. This was 2015. Did this come out in theaters? I caught it on HBO, and I'm not shy to say I've watched the movie three times because I've caught it in different things. And I like electronic music, and he's an electronic music DJ. You know, electronica <laughs> for the aficionados out there. Uh, it but, is. It, it does say that it's included with Prime, guys. So, hey, early shout-out uh, Lucas Till and Bravetown. Check it out. Yeah, it's not a good movie, but you'll not be sad that you watched it. But you can watch it. Um, yeah, it's watchable. So... SNL and the skit and everything with MacGruber, I I was familiar, but whatever. I did like Will Forte. Uh, I was a big yes. fan of him. Obviously, Kristen Wiig is fantastic. And this movie's written by Will Forte and Yorma Takone, who's part of the Lonely Island, which that I think was the SNL group that I was most familiar with because I was watching it via YouTube stuff. And so mm-hmm. when Dick in a Box and all that stuff came out, I became very familiar with Yorma, Akiva, and Andy. And so that whole situation, I was like, oh, wow, he's he's actually directing it, uh, wrote it. I was in on that, which I think is probably what drove me to the theater more than the MacGruber sketch. Yeah, I, I, I went to see it because I had a buddy who loved watching SNL, and he was very excited for the film. And so that's I just basically tagged along, and I was like, well, hour and a half, comedy what can it hurt? But I do want to point out one thing about this film that I think why it works. And you basically said it earlier. It's not riffing on MacGyver. It's riffing on eighties and nineties action movies. But what it is, is it doesn't play it for laughs. In my opinion, it actually is could pass as one of those movies. If not for some of like the really crazy shit, it's not that far from a script that would work for one of those. No. That's what's insane to me. The more I watch it, it's like this is this could totally be like you replace Forte with someone who's a little more yoked. Yeah, it works. What what is the difference to you between this and like um, Die Hard, Live and Let Die, or Live Free or Die, or whatever that one was? Is that the one where it's uh, the uh, the internet? And, yes, and uh, yeah. Justin Long. Yep. And yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. They're doing that whole thing. Um, maybe the music. That yeah, the scenes th- that's the seri- thing. More serious, <laughs> like like that, and maybe like the filter. So it's not as it's yeah. not as soft and bright, you know. Yep. Other than that, I think you're right on. Where the script, like 
as asinine as all that stupid shit is, you're like, if they just choreograph action sequences through the whole thing, it's a diehard. It's not the yeah. classic diehard, but it's one of it's four or five. <laughs> yeah, know. they weren't all winners. <laughs> but it, it, the other thing that I I think a lot of people struggle to see in this movie, and maybe I'm trying to make it work because I will say I've been standing this movie since it came out and very few people that I've talked to like it. And I don't know, did, did I like make you get back into this? I don't know if this is one of those things I forced a friend to do. You know, I, I don't think so. I mean, you mentioned it to me and no one had ever mentioned MacGruber to me, but I've obviously, I saw it in a theater and then I, I've seen it several times, but I've never talked to anybody before you about MacGruber. Okay. Cause I, I also think one of the strengths of this and that it kind of flows through the Lonely Island stuff is there's this absurdist comedy. That's pretty much the, the heart and soul of Lonely Island, whether it's the Michael Bolton thing or seven days in hell or whatever. That's that that's how they couch their humor. But there's also a satirical element to it and a commentary in MacGruber that I find really, really interesting. And it's not just making fun of the 80s movies or, you know, all the Joel Silver, Joel Schumacher, Michael Bay type of movies that have been sort of American film staples for 25, 30 years now, but also this concept of like American exceptionalism throughout the movie, which I think is interesting to me. Um, And yes, I get it that I'm getting this deep into something uh, via MacGruber, but it's a scene that I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit, but throughout the entire movie, you're told because the cues that are in this movie are the same cues that are in movies like Top Gun, where you're just like, America's the good guy. And then as this movie goes along and we get to a scene, a middle sort of beginning of Act 3, maybe end of Act 2, where you realize MacGruber's the prick. Like, MacGruber's the reason all of this is happening. When he gives that speech, it's insane. Yeah, and you're just like, oh... That is such a comment on every movie that told us the others were bad for what they were doing, completely ignoring what America had done to certain other places of the world that have perhaps created a situation for bad things to happen uh, to Americans. And I'm not, you know, this is, I'm, I'm not trying to make this a political podcast, but that is something that I think is really interesting in this movie. And I don't think because... There's some crazy shit, and we're going to talk about it, that happens in this movie. Some really funny, funny stuff that will turn people off. I mean, let's just be serious. It'll just, they're not going to want to watch it. Whether it's the sex scenes or the really gruesome violence um, that is so yep. over the top that it's not even realistic. You know, this is there's nothing close to realistic in this movie. That stuff will turn people away, but I, I look at this and every time I watch it, and I've watched it three times since we said we were going to do this, I'm like, man, there's like, a legit message in this movie that so many yeah. people are not going to get. But that's my that's sort of my serious take on MacGruber. But I do want to get into how funny I think this movie is. Yeah, I agree with you on the serious take, too. I mean, part of it, too, is you're led through the movie and you think Kuntz has... Uh, is that... <laughs> Dieter it, von Kuntz, by the way, <laughs> greatest fucking name. Oh, it's... There's... <laughs> the little the little nuggets in this... Uh, the, the crust yeah. of this movie is is the good stuff. You you think that he's obviously the bad guy, and in the end, like, he's doing these things for a reason. You know, the Chinese is paying him. Whatever. But you all you know is that MacGruber's at his wedding to Casey, that he blew up Casey, and somehow MacGruber survived, and everyone thought he was dead. But when he's telling... 
Ryan Phillippe, or Piper, great name for him. <laughs> the, the names are so good. <laughs> when he's telling him about the backstory, like... Why did he do it? Why did Kunf kill your wife? To this day, I have no idea. We actually all went to college together. Believe it or not, we were very close friends. After graduation, uh, he got engaged to her. He asked me to be his best man. And right about that time, I started banging her and mowing her box. Uh, she was actually the first person I felt comfortable enough around to uh, let eat out my butt. Anyway, shortly thereafter, uh, she left him for me. She was actually carrying his child at the time. I asked her to terminate it, obviously, so we could start fresh. And she agreed. Uh, we're so in love. And he took that from me. That's really fucked up. Thanks. I mean, that's fucking insane, okay? Like, that's not a good dude. I'm sorry. It's not a good dude. He is but fucking it's crazy. So, it's so funny. And, you know, since we're, let's talk about Ryan Phillippe right now. I'm going to be honest. One of the things that I love about this film is how instantly... MacGruber hates Ryan Phillippe's character. <laughs> Does. I understand that. Because that's sort of the reaction I get every time I see Ryan Phillippe in a movie. I'm assuming at the beginning of the film where they're trying to find MacGruber and they find him at the monastery and MacGruber just hates him immediately that MacGruber just finished watching 54. That's what I like to think <laughs> in my head. And he's like, oh, this fucking guy. Great. But... Philippi's really good in this movie. Yes, he is. I don't even wanna... his little his little smile. The one that gets me every time is when Powers Booth, when Faith is saying, "You know, he's one of our finest soldiers. He might be good on your team." The little smile to show the pride that Philippi. That's good. It's, like, it's subtle. It's fucking awesome. Though. It's really good. I don't want to, you know, go out on a limb here and say that Ryan Philippi's had such a distinguished career as people like Tom Hanks. Um, no, but if you're looking at Philippi's career. You're probably going to point to some other performances, but I think this is probably his best one. <laughs> this like, and Lincoln Lawyer are right up there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's legitimately good. He plays the straight man, and for some reason, you're willing to believe that he wouldn't just walk away from this dude. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why either. Like, well, every, he's so charismatic. Every single plan that Forte has is awful. They're, none of them work. But somehow you see a part in the movie where Philippi's dressed up as MacGruber for no reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it, it's that it's playing back and forth on that. That's so much fun to me. But well, I'm not so good at plans and I don't really follow clues, but I do kick ass and rip ropes. <laughs> I mean, the fact that we're doing this right on the heels of our Roadhouse episode, it just worked out too perfectly. It, it did. We got mullets and we got throat ripping. I mean, yep. what more could you ask for? Yep. We were in an 80s movie groove and we're like, well, let's do a movie from the 2000s, but it's an 80s movie because we got the Miata, <laughs> we got the Blaupunks, yep. we got the whole, the whole oh vibe. That, that was the gag that got me the most in the theater. Every time he pulls that fucking radio out, I laugh my ass off because I remember that. <laughs> I remember my dad having a radio that you would have to pull off. This was pre-faceplate. Oh, this you know, wasn't, this wasn't the faceplate. No, this was, you pull the whole fucking radio out. My dad had one of those when I was a kid. And you just walk around with this goddamn thing. Finally, he started just 
putting it in the trunk. And I'm like, if you're going to put it in the trunk, if someone steals the car, they're going to be able to get into the trunk. <laughs> what is the point at this? They're not going to steal the car for that fucking radio. It's a blow punk. But it's a blow punk, man. It's a blow it's punk. A blau- <laughs> God. Ridiculous. Was he driving it around in a Miata? No, no. Uh, like a 1980 Oldsmobile sofa on wheels. Um, yeah, my dad had style. You know, that's what you well, do. I would take that over a Miata. But I do, <laughs> I, I am a fan of the fact that Forte apparently owns this Miata. Yes, I did see that. <laughs> Hopefully he still has the car bra on there. Oh my God. Yeah, see, I had the faceplate, but I never had to, I never had to yeah. yank the radio out. I also have one more theory as to why this movie bombed the way that it did. And I think we have to look at where comedy was. Because we talked about this a little bit when we talked, when we did MASH. Where comedy can be of a time or it can be very specifically um, oriented towards one type of person. And at this point, this was right at the end of that Apatow run with 40-Year-Old Virgin and Knocked Up and Super Bad and Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Pineapple Express and Step Brothers. And then you got Todd Phillips coming in with the Hangovers. And like it was these frat comedies, large scale, but that was sort of the 100 million plus guaranteed comedy, not these off-the-wall sketch comics trying to put together uh, a full, full-length full feature. And I'm not saying that a movie like this really is ever going to make a ton of money. I really don't think they do. Because when I look back to either my favorite SNL uh, movies, which there's really two, Wayne's World and Blues Brothers, are the two that I think are, are the best SNL films. Mm-hmm. Past that, there's ones that I like that I think are funny, but, you know, they're not... Nor should they have made 30 or $40 million. This is like the one that I wish I could pull out of the ladies' mans and the night at the Roxbury's and say, no, 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 this is this one should be on that sort of mountain with the Wayne's World type movies. Not Superstar? Not Superstar. Although I do like Superstar. <laughs> I don't mind Superstar. She's funny. I mean, look, I find her, I find her humor funny. She's great in serendipity, too. <laughs> nobody's great in serendipity yes that's a great movie how fucking how dare you speak sacrilege on this podcast this is a serendipity loving podcast you know what diss track man fire away that's, god damn can't wait to talk about that one <laughs> so it's Cassiopeia the serendipity fans get that one yeah they do uh, all I got to say is if you're going to have John Cusack as a romantic lead, it is unlikely I'm going to like your movie unless there is a hot tub that is also a time machine. Now, come on. You know you like Say Anything. I do not like Say Anything. You don't like Say Anything? No, man. We've talked about this. And I just wanted the people to hear it. What about Better Off, uh, Better Better, Off Dead? Better Off Dead's good. Better Off Dead's good. Yeah. John Cusack comedy male lead for the romance. That works. That works. Yeah. The... The problem that I have with saying anything is that he's a uh, he's a psycho, and well, he a kickboxer. <laughs> they all were in the eighties. We've tra- trained by the same guy who trained Swayze for Roadhouse. See, it all comes full circle. Uh, yep, that's what the, that's what we do, guys. We we're just looking for these <laughs> links. You thought the serendipity riff was just that? No, it was there for a reason. Uh, okay, we got we got to start on this movie. So. <laughs> As you all know, I'm a credits guy. I love these credits, man. Yeah. Holy cow. Good. Did did you read do you like go through and read all the stuff that they flash in front of you? Uh I mean, some of it I saw like where things were taking place. So the 
you know, his file is very funny, and obviously they. Oh put yes, that was train yeah, killer you know, and all this stuff. Lover. My favorite though is when they show a press clipping of his like great achievements, and it says MacGruber foils terrorist plot. Kills 200 in the process. Like, that's just <laughs> fucking hilarious to me. Yeah. And again, it goes back, like, this is that satirical line that's running through the whole movie. It's like, this wink, that wink. Team America shit. Yeah, this is, t- exactly, this is Team America. And I just, the whole, the, the, the lyrics of the song, if you're not paying attention, listen to those. They're very, very funny. Mm-hmm. But we sort of, I feel like that's where they dispense with the SNL skit, is in that, uh, in the credit sequence. And then we go on to our movie. And then we're just like, okay, we've given you the character. We've given you all the little gadget things. Because he doesn't really fuck with that many gadgets in this movie. No, it's it's very they're very afterthoughts. And it's only because revealed because he doesn't like guns. Doesn't, doesn't know, know how to use one. Doesn't know how to use a gun. But uh, I, I love that when they get into describing MacGruber and Colonel Faith trying to explain to Piper, here's MacGruber's resume. Or I, I think it was actually Piper. That was going through the resume and saying, yeah, he's done like 35 tours and he's got three medals of honor. You know, all the things that all you flash back to is all those war movies and action films from the 80s where you're just like, how are you that decorated at 29? You yeah. know, like, yeah, <laughs> it's the Rambo shit. Man. It's the Rambo it's, shit. It's all that. It's that commando as well. Yeah. You know, he goes into the briefing. He just headbutts Piper. And those are the surprising things where, you know, this is a hard R. I would call this a hard R. Well, yeah, on on pumps alone, because I'll digress here for a second. But I did read an interview with Kristen Wiig and they thought it was going to have to have an NC-17 rating. And the whole reason was because of the number of pumps, as they call it, in the rating biz, evidently, in the sex scene between MacGruber and Vicky. So, <laughs> don't don't you mean the birthday sex scene? The birthday sex scene. That's correct. It was it was Kristen Wiig's birthday, and the reason she keeps turning her head left and right is not to avoid laughing into the camera, but it's because they filmed this fucker in Albuquerque in ninety five degree weather, and everyone was sweating. And I don't know if you've seen Will Forte, but that man is a sweater. He's a sweater, and he was sweating like crazy all in her face. It's just like God. But, you know, you know, the cutoff is evidently something around 30, 30 pumps. So they, they got in under that wire. <laughs> I would have I would have actually taken the over on that. Yeah, I know. That's true. That's true. Because don't combine and, it with the Maya Rudolph one. And, and maybe because when you're sitting next to your grandmother, it feels like 30 plus pumps. Are <laughs> but it's also genius to me. Like, I don't understand how that scene's not hilarious to everybody. Oh, my God. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> It's so funny. Because the concept to me is that they went, okay, we're obviously going to do Top Gun. But what happens after the kiss in Top Gun? The really Mm -hmm. weird feeding food from one bird to another kiss that happens in Top Gun. (laughs) Where do we go from there? Because I also think that... I'm sorry. I'm, I'm laughing just thinking about the scene. That they're going to destroy the concept that any of these action heroes that are super ripped aren't good at sex. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I don't think Maverick is very good at sex. I don't I don't think Rambo is a passionate lover. I think the only way would be if they were mirrors that they were constantly looking at themselves. You have to go very American Psycho with it. Yes, that's a good point. That's a, that's, that's, a well, that's a well-made point. <laughs> I love the fact that now that he's going to, like, obviously... We don't need to go over every aspect of the plot. It's it's simple, 
Val Kilmer plays Kunth, and they believe Kunth has a warhead that's nuclear that's going to destroy something. They don't know when he's going to set it off, and they want to stop, find him and stop him, and there's a history between MacGruber and Kunth and all that. When he goes to assemble his team, which I thought was one of like the greatest, the ending of that montage is one of the greatest things ever when they're all in the van. Yes. But when he goes to assemble, he gets in his Miata, puts on the easy listening station, and he's in D.C., and then all of a sudden next he's in South Dakota. South Dakota. And I'm like, the motherfucker drove. He's driving all over the country like it's nothing. Yep. And I, just, I just think that's hilarious. It's just a hilarious gag. Well, and part of putting his team together is is something that you see again in all of these 80s movies. And we're going to yep. you know, kind of stop saying that. But the way this movie was made was I have a checklist of everything that happens in these movies. So we got to get a team. We've got to have a montage. We've got to have very peculiar nods to gay culture. But we have very strict no gays allowed rule. And yes. there's there's yes. nods to like all of these things that happen in putting this team together, where it's very overt. But I appreciate that they make such a ridiculous meal out of MacGruber saying no 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 I I can't have this guy on my team anymore because he's gay. But MacGruber then just ogling all these other guys yes. that he's putting his team together with. I mean, the very first guy, Chris Jericho, uh, shout out uh, for all you wrestling fans out there, is the first guy he goes to, and he talks about him having a gigantic penis. And mm-hmm. they're like, ah, oh, your dick jokes. I love those. He's like, that's why I say them, you know? And, and so it's, it's okay to have that sort of eroticism as long yeah. as it's not out in the open, which is 100% what every action movie you saw in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. It really still is today. There's still that shit. Oh, of course. Of course. I mean, look, the... Even the scene in fucking Predator where Arnold and Carl Weathers, you know, do the arm wrestle in the air. There's some there's some homoerotic tension there. I'm not yes. going to lie. In all of in, in all of these movies. And but there's always a very strict uh, no gay policy. This movie was just like, let's just show you how fucking absurd that is. And, and I appreciate that. But then they move on from it, obviously. And then they show you the absurdity of having these sex scenes in a purely action movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no yep. need to have them. And so what do they do? They have him bang a ghost. That's what we're going to do. Ghost Maya Rudolph. It's yeah. so funny, too. Like, I guess she was the, I read she was the original sidekick on SNL. And then when she left, then that's why Kristen Wiig came in. But they wanted to explain that in the movie. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, look, I'm all for Maya Rudolph being in every film. But you don't need to explain it. No. I don't. I don't need to know why Maya Rudolph's character is no longer the sidekick for MacGruber from the SNL skit. This is something different. Yeah. But I mean, love seeing her there. She's hilarious. You know. Well, and it's it's at least a decent payoff because it it you know sets up why Kunt is going after or hates MacGruber. Yes. Totally, uh, totally. Because because there is no reason, and it's another you know thing that you see in these ridiculous action movies is the plot to get our quote good guy is often completely separate from the whatever the plot is of the villain, which is just fire your nuclear weapon. You don't have to go after McGruder. <laughs> there's there's just yeah, no reason. not at all. There's, not at there's all. zero reason. But I do want to talk a little bit about Val Kilmer getting back to his comedic roots, which I miss good Val Kilmer so Me bad. Me too, man. I miss real genius Val Kilmer yep. so much. He's so good. He's so fucking funny. And I don't know if you've seen, like, not to bring a downer on the pod, 
I saw a video of him from, it's got to be a couple years now, where he was on Jonesy's Jukebox, the K-Rock show that he has there. And I don't know what exactly the ailment was, but the man can't really speak anymore. So I'm really excited to see him in Top Gun Maverick because I believe he is going to be in that. So hopefully he's recovered from whatever it is. I don't know the details. But I love him, man. He's batshit crazy in real life, but he's a phenomenal actor. I fucking cherish cherish his work. Well, and he's so charismatic. The you know the introduction to him really the introduction he's in a couple of very small scenes uh, towards the beginning but the real introduction to him is when he's painting the elderly naked woman <laughs> on a gigantic canvas and 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 you're the, what I'm saying right now that's the point of the whole movie is just cut from weird ass scene to weird ass scene but you know the way that he's doing it so offhandedly and throwing lines away and confident in what he's doing and acting circles around everybody who's in a scene with him it reminds you of tombstone val kilmer or heat val kilmer you know yeah. or, like you said real genius top secret you know the classics and i think in researching this i found my very favorite nugget of trivia regarding mcgruber which was forte and val kilmer became super good friends and kilmer was living at Forte's house when he was, you know, doing some house shopping of his own, and Will Forte got Val into the Amazing Race to the point where they were going to put in an application to do the Amazing Race together. And fellas, I know you're listening. Do it, <laughs> please. Just do it. do it, please. Do it. I'll watch. I've never seen the Amazing Race, but I would watch Will Forte and Val Kilmer do anything. I read that too, and I said to myself. I mean, that must have been awesome. Those two must have just been at home getting baked out of their minds watching The Amazing Race. It's just, that's hilarious. I wish wish it could have been yep. there. <laughs> I, just, I I saw Val Kilmer. Uh, he was doing his Mark Twain. Uh, his right, one-man you show. did get to see that. Lucky you. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw it. He was really good in it. And then afterwards, it was sort of weird because I because of when we grew up, you think of Val Kilmer as this gigantic star yeah. who could legitimately get movies made himself. Um, also think he was a underrated Batman in a poorly made film. But he's like asking us to donate because he's trying to get this Mark Twain one-man show made. And you're just like, man, Val Kilmer doesn't even have the juice anymore to get a movie that couldn't cost more than $5 million. Couldn't get that made. And it was so weird to see him at this like little playhouse in Laguna, you know, doing a great job. He was fantastic, kind of taking Hal Holbrook's, I guess, cigar, if we're talking about Mark Twain yeah. and, and, you know, keeping the tradition alive. But just, I hate the fact that Val Kilmer, for health reasons, and I think some other reasons, just doesn't get in movies the way that he used to, and you you sort of forget how good he is. He's he's great. Um, he's great. And you brought up Hal Holbrook, who I have celebrated the past two New Year's uh, New Year's Eves with. You know, he goes to the same restaurant I go to on New Year's Eve, and so Hal Holbrook is still around, and uh, that's a legend. Yeah. That is the yeah. end of that story. I just had to throw that in there. You know, you get to you get to go on cruises with Lucas Till. I get to go celebrate New Year's Eve with Hal Holbrook. So take that, Cole. So, <laughs> so, so let's get into another strength of this movie, which is the the quiet lines. I guess is what I would call them. I don't really have a better phrase for it, but you can tell where this movie puts in a scene. That is literally just get me to the next gigantic gag we have. I imagine that there was a board up that said, 
okay, we've got the gag at the monastery. We've got the putting together the team gag. We've got, okay, after the funeral of the team, we need him to beg Ryan Philippi to let him have sex with him in order to get on the team, but we don't know how to get there. Okay, here's what we'll do. And they just have, he and Colonel Faith just have this little interaction. They were nice funerals. Yeah. What did you think of my eulogies? Very touching. I might have cut back on the F words a little. Well, they were fucking great guys. And this is a fucking asshole of a day. Okay, like, I think that's genius. I think that's hilarious. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) You know, I just would have used fewer F words. Well, they were fucking (laughs) great guys. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and and just that's the SNL writing, you know, being able to write little sketches that just get you from A to B. And I I think that's, that's a real strength of this movie. And again, maybe I'm just looking for stuff and I want people to love this movie the way I love it. But it gets you to... You know, Piper hates him, comes in, wants to leave, and then, I mean, this is just so funny. Where's the colonel? You gotta help me. They want to kick me off the mission. Well, under the circumstances... Fuck you, dickhead! All right. Wait, 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 I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. What do you want, MacGruber? Join my team. What? Join my new team and tell the colonel I can do this. I can't do that. Okay. Don't make me beg here, because I will do it. I am so sorry. I'm so goddamn sorry. I got freaking out here. I killed them. I killed them all. I'm so fucking stupid. I don't know what I'm doing and everybody hates me. Uh. Look, I will suck your dick. I will suck your fucking dick. I will do it. Just join my team. I'll suck your dick. You can fuck me or get fucked by me. You can watch me fuck something. Just point at something in the room and I'll fuck it for you. Come on, just tell me what you want me to fuck. Jesus Christ, MacGruber. Just tell me what you want me to fuck. <laughs> okay, I don't have any lubricant. Do you see any whiteout or like copy toner should work? Not an ounce of overacting which is weird in a scene like that but he's like it's depressing that is an absolutely great call because will forte holds this entire film together for me and it's because he never goes goofy with any of this stuff he's very believable as this flawed character that he is but you're absolutely right he never goes over the top he never screams even when his entire crew that we've had the montage of putting together and he's got the homemade 74 pounds of C4 in the van and they're all just sitting back there, which looks pretty cramped because these are large gentlemen. Hilarious to me. Yeah. And then he's like, I got to go deal with the brass. Fuck the brass. You know all that. And they go over there and the whole thing blows up. How he's able to run. No, 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 no. Tug, <laughs> tug. Tug. How he's able to pull that off without being over the top is insane to me. Like he has serious... Yeah acting chops and you can see that obviously alexander payne was paying attention puts him in nebraska yeah i mean that's why bruce dern's like i gotta have this guy in my movie <laughs> yes you know this is the start of my sit down trilogy as bruce dern where all i do is sit <laughs> down in movies <laughs> well if you got one move and it's good enough that's all you need jed 
my favorite gag in the whole thing, I think, recurring um, every time is the KFBR 392 and the notebook and all of that. And then finally finding the vehicle. But it's just that's fucking hilarious. And making finding the vehicle an actually important plot. Yes. But that's such a lovely little touch. To, to have the State of the Union in there, again, nodding to the fact that in every action movie you've ever seen, the good guy would never pull off what he pulls off because shit just doesn't fall into your hands like yeah. that. But he's just... I, did you see where Forte is apparently the one that wrote out the I notebook? did see that. I also read that somewhere... I don't know if this is true, but it's that was a reference to The Shining. But I saw some shit that said everything was a reference to something to the point where it said when he gets thrown through the glass window, that's a reference to Beverly Hills Cop. Because that's the only movie that everyone, anyone's ever been thrown yep. out of a window in. So, anyway. Yeah, it's... You can find references everywhere. Again, you know, these recurring gags are fantastic. And, and they end up working just because there's just enough time between them. And as you said at the top of this, this movie's a tight 90. Yes, it is. You're in and out. You know, which, from a filmmaking standpoint and first-time director, Yorma Takone, great call. And I'm sure that there were a ton of discussions about that because I'm sure the director's cuts at least another, you know, 20 minutes or something. But, you know, hey, let's bring this in at 90 and be done with it because we can't we can't have a two hour and 15 minute MacGruber movie. Nobody's looking for that. You Um, can only hear I'm going to shoot so many times. (laughs) I don't know. I I could I could hear it a lot. It's just (laughs) a poor Kristen Wiig, man. Like I just like I'm sorry. I keep going back to that sex scene. I've never seen a sex scene in a movie like that. I never will since. You never will again. It's it's perfect for what it is. It's so fucking funny. I remember being in the theater and when they dropped the music. (laughs) Yes. I was like it. Like in my head, I'm like, oh shit. This is this is going places and and. Nona was not a fast mover, so I couldn't be like, "Hey, Nona, let's go get some popcorn real quick." Like, nope, we just had to, we just had to live through it. But you know, speaking of Kristen Wiig, we should talk about the fact that this is kind of right before Bridesmaids. Yeah, yeah. So this is just before she became, you know, one of the top one or two names in comedy mm-hmm. for the next four or five years. Yeah, and you can tell in this, and really probably. The best scene in the movie when she goes in dressed up as MacGruber to the coffee shop. Yes, the large Tasso oh tea. So fucking funny. She is so good in that scene. Uh huh. You know, I I could see people who didn't like this movie, which we didn't really get into it, but shocker, universally panned. Uh, not a lot of even the critics that said nice things about it were like, you don't really need to see this movie. That was like the nicest review out there. But I could see someone watching this and going. That woman's a star. Like, we need to get her her own thing right now. Uh, because th- when she's taking the tip back. It's 3.45. Yes, it is. That's what it is every time. Look at it. No, no tip. Get that tip back. Well, it was a side of her I hadn't seen, and that side is called subtlety. 
because on yeah. SNL she's very big and she was very big and over the top, which is what you are on SNL. Like right. subtlety is not what you're asked for, but to show that she could do that because I think you know, you know maybe as most listeners do, if they don't, they'll learn it right now. Bridesmaids is one of my fucking favorite movies. I fucking love that movie. I've watched it so many times, and I just think it's hilarious. And it's all because of her. Like her and Maya Rudolph, that chemistry together in that movie is so great. I, I love that, and she she has that ability to she has timing man she's got the comedic timing and she knows what to do to get that laugh and she's great in that fucking scene reacting to everything i love the setup too with well you couldn't park closer well no this is the closest one there were closer spots with meters (laughs) with meters (laughs) and and those are just the little those are the little jokes that advance the story that i absolutely love in this movie but uh, one quick, one one more quick thing on Kristen Wiig is her ability to let things sit for a minute uh, shows a little bit in this movie, but definitely in Bridesmaids, where she obviously is the the comedic star, but has to sort of at times be the through line of the movie. I mean, she holds it together, mm-hmm. so she can't be super over the top, with the exception of the plane. God. So good. You know, it's more about Melissa McCarthy or really crazy ass things happening to the rest of the supporting cast. And she just had that confidence to walk that movie all the way through. And uh, Bridesmaid will obviously have a Bridesmaids episode, but that's on a well, list. Well, yeah, we of- have because of civil rights. <laughs> but that's on that list of like perfect comedies, just a perfectly yeah. made comedy. Yeah, it is a perfect comedy. And you know what? The more I think about it, I think the people that don't like this movie, you know, they're just they're just not three-wire guys. You got to be a three-wire guy yeah, to like yep. this film. It's a true story. True story. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to talk about how much I loved the ending of the movie. It's great. So we have Val Kilmer as Kunth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the way Will Forte says Kunth is... Stro- just again, strokes of genius. Bob Ross, nice little trees everywhere in this movie. But Kilmer comes in and he's kind of shit talking uh, Kristen Wiig, and he's doing so good at it because he's not over the top. Like it's really weird to say there is an SNL movie that's an action film where the villain isn't over the top at all. Like if anything, he's understated. Yeah, and he gets tied, and the X Five's getting ready to go off, and. It's really funny when they're like, What's wrong, McGruber? The fuck is this? It's a warhead, McGruber. You can defuse it, right? Are you kidding me? Look at all this crap. It's like a million wires in here. I'm like a three-wire guy. Look at this wire. What is, where does this go? What is that? There's a green one. And there's like a bunch of green. Launch commencing in two minutes. Two minutes, McGruber! <laughs> and so he takes out the he takes out the nuclear core and it's like, nope, there's still plenty plenty of juice to blow it up. Fine, I'll just yank out your, your guidance, system. guidance system or whatever. And it's just, he doesn't know how to shut it down, but he definitely knows that's the guidance system. That's the, Yeah, he knows all the all the parts of it. All those all those little things come right together. and, and We got to at least mention the upper decker, because I'd never heard that term before, and I fell on the floor laughing in the fucking theater when that was like you did what <laughs> it's just i gotta play we'll play that clip that's yep. just so fucking funny where have you been sorry i just took an upper decker in the master bathroom 
Upper Decker? Yes, where you take a dump in the water tank and not in the bowl. You look great. I never heard that, and it's it's so funny. It's great. <laughs> well, guys, I know that's a little shorter than usual, but you know the, the main takeaway of this movie is just go watch it. Like, give it another shot if you didn't like it. If you don't like it, that's cool, but it's fantastic. Um, Jed, recommendations. For Val Kilmer, I have Spartan, the David Mamet movie. I think I recommended it before. People need to watch this. Not a lot of people have seen it. Kristen Bell in the movie. Uh, Derek Luke, good film. I have Bridesmaids for Kristen Wiig. And I also have... Shocker. <laughs> I also have Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Now, I've just seen the trailer. This movie looks hilarious. I can't wait for it to come out later this year when theaters reopen. Fingers crossed. And for Mr. Ryan Philippi, I have The Lincoln Lawyer. Um, because other than that and Cruel Intentions is pretty much all you can stomach from my man, Ryan. So, what yeah, about you, Cole? I decided not to take Mr. Philippi out for a ride today because I'm trying to live in an era, <laughs> in a room of positivity. So, Ryan, you got off easy. As nice of a guy as you may, I, I don't have no idea. I'm not sure, but not great. Anyway, uh, so, <laughs> recommendations. Uh, number one, for our Lonely Island fans, I've got Seven Days in Hell, which is on HBO. Uh, that's a Andy Samberg plays a seven day match uh, against Jon Snow at Wimbledon. So <laughs> enjoy that. Also, the un- unauthorized Bash Brothers experience. This is a 30 minute music video that the Lonely Island put together about Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco in the 80s. I, it, it's, oh God, it's so damn funny. It's on Netflix. Just. Check it out. It's incredible. Does it give you all the baseball feels like A League of Their Own does? I don't quite get as emotional <laughs> uh, with this one. But uh, but you then, do feel like injecting yourself with some stuff afterwards, right? Oh, I do lots of steroids. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who's seen me knows that I have a steroid problem. And then the third one would be Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. This, <laughs> this movie is basically same exact history as MacGruber. Lonely Island behind it. It made nine point like five million dollars at the box office off a twenty million dollar budget, but it is hilarious, and it's another cult classic. Like this one falls into a cult classic. Pop star is the same thing, spoofing Justin Bieber's uh, mock, not mockumentary. Sorry, this is a mockumentary spoofing like <laughs> Justin Bieber and the Taylor Swift documentaries and all these you know different musical documentaries. Uh, for Kristen Wiig, I've got the Skeleton Twins. Really good, Bill Hader. Kristen Wiig movie. Um, I think at that time, it's easy to look back on it now and say, oh, of course they'd be good. But at that time, they were just a couple people on SNL for the most part, particularly Bill Hader. He really hadn't done a whole lot. So um, that's really good for Will Forte, Nebraska, and Dad, if you're listening, Bruce Dern is sitting down in that as well. And then <laughs> last but not least, I've got from my man Val Kilmer, I just rewatched Heat a couple weeks ago. Just watch Heat. God damn, that's a good fucking movie. I, I watched it because somebody posted on Twitter some crazy-ass line reading from Al Pacino. And I was like, nope, got to watch Heat now. Like, almost instantly fired up Heat. Just Have you heard my Al Pacino and Heat impersonation? I have. I don't know if they have. Because she's got a great ass. <laughs> and you got your head all up in it. <laughs> Give me all you got. Give me all you got. You get killed walking your doggy. <laughs> well, guys, that's pretty much all we got. But I do want to say one more thing about the glory that is MacGruber for you fans that I know are out there just like me. There's been talk for years about a MacGruber 2. 
Uh, Yorma Takone about three years ago was trying to shop a TV series around, but Will Forte had always said, well, this thing cannot be on any network television. But the new Peacock NBC streaming app is going to give you a MacGruber TV series. So they're finishing up the eight scripts. It's going to be eight episodes, and it's set to start filming in the fall, obviously with all the COVID-19 stuff. Not sure if that's going to get pushed back. Ideally, if it does get pushed back, not indefinitely, but it is set to go. And most importantly, all the originals are coming back. That doesn't just mean Forte and Ryan Phillippe and uh, Kristen Wiig. Val Kilmer is supposed to be coming back in this thing. So (laughs) I don't know what they're going to do. I have no clue, but I could not be more excited. So with that, guys, thanks for listening. You can find us at SigBurnsPod for Instagram and Twitter, CigaretteBurnsPodcast at Yahoo.com. We have Facebook now. Jed, how can they find that? Go to the website, CigaretteBurnsPodcast.com, and click on the little Facebook icon at the top there. It'll take you to the group. Request access. I'll give you access. And you can start chatting with other fellow burners. Fantastic. And, uh, well, Jed, you should probably tell them about next episode yeah yeah that's throwing it to me throwing me under the bus whatever you want to call it so basically the next episode uh i had this idea and cole had nothing to do with it so if it succeeds it's all me and if it fails it's all me but the idea is basically we're gonna watch this movie that neither of us had ever heard of called happy accidents all we know is that it stars marissa tomei and Vinny d'onofrio okay here's the twist here's our Shyamalan twist here okay Cole is going to watch the first half and stop. I am going to only watch the second half and stop. Then we're going to get together. We're going to record us talking. Cole's going to tell me about the first half. I'm going to tell him about the second half. We're going to kind of figure out this film as a whole from like what our thoughts were. Like I'm going to talk about the fact that I didn't see the first half, so maybe this is what may have happened. And he's going to be like, you're wrong, moron. That's not at all what happened. And he's going to say, <laughs> I think this could have happened in the second half. I'm like, nope, that's not at all what happened. And then we're going to go watch the entire film, and then we're going to be able to talk about it. So if this sounds crazy, I've been fucking locked in the house for eight weeks. What do you want from me? I'm singing <laughs> Dire Straits. I came up with this idea. Hopefully it works, but if it doesn't, it should be funny nonetheless. We will definitely have fun with it. I'm pretty excited about it. Plus, to see a Miris Tomei movie that I had never heard of, so that's always a plus for everybody. Absolutely. Well, guys, as always, we had a blast. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review, all that good stuff. I'm going to shoot! We will... <laughs> we will see you next time. My virgin. Not for long. Baby, don't understand why we can't just hold on to each other's Oh my god, I'm gonna freaking explode inside you. I'm gonna spill it. I'm gonna fill you up. Oh. I'm gonna fill you up. What? I'm gonna fill you oh, up. Okay, just let me do the talking. Sorry. Oh, yeah.
Mm. 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 Mm.